If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. Good morning. Praise God. I want to have all of our graduates stand this morning. If you graduated from high school or college, it doesn't matter. Stand up. We want to honor you today. All right. Let's give our graduates a big hand. All right. Praise God. Really proud of you guys. Great job. Great things are ahead for you. Amen. Anybody believe that for these guys? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because, uh, because God's with them. And if God is able, that's exactly right. If God is able, then we are able. I believe that with my whole heart. I am excited about our services this coming week, our prophetic conference. How many of you are ready for this? Huh? Because your ability, and I was telling the earlier services, that, the early service this, that your ability to receive is directly connected to your willingness to expect. Yes. Amen. So, however high you have your expectation, God will meet you wherever you want. Yeah. Amen. He's not going to force himself on you. But I want to encourage you to open your heart wide open. I mean, open your life wide open to receive what God has for you. Because I believe that God has a special appointment with you during this week. If you'll be here. Yeah. But you, you kind of got to be here. Yeah, you kind of got to show up for that. So uh, be here. This is, this is for you. This is why we do this prophetic conference, because we, we believe in the office of the prophet, and so we always set this time uh, every year so that we have a prophetic utterance come to our church, uh, prophets come in that we know and are well-grounded in the Word of God. They're not flakes. They know God. They know how to, they know how to prophesy. They're seasoned in this thing. They're seasoned in their gift. They're skilled. And so I'm, I'm bringing them here. We're bringing them here for you. So I want you to come and receive because God has something for you special. And there, there, you're going to see over time. I mean, how many of you have ever received a prophetic word over your life? Somebody has prophesied over you. Look at this. I mean, all, all over this room. And how many of you found out that, that that was the very thing you needed at that moment, that God spoke into your life and it changed your situation or it changed your life, it helped you in some way, get, helped gain wisdom. See, we need that wisdom outside of ourselves. Even as that scripture was this morning, I thought that was a really good scripture coming into this thing, talking about Christ becoming wisdom to us and that God uses the foolish things of this world, the foolish things uh, uh, to confound the wise. Actually, the foolishness of the cross and the preaching of the cross to confound the wise. It's amazing. Use the weak things. Jessica Parham is here today. Not, not speaking of weak things. I didn't mean to actually follow up weak things with Jessica Parham. But Jessica, stand up and let everybody see you and say hi to everybody this morning. I know you're excited to do that. <laughs> oh, she's going to kill me for this. But yeah, just say hi to everybody. This is our, our family away from family all the way out in California. Now she's a California girl. Tell us what's going on. mad right now <laughs> um so yeah we're in california no it's good it's it's trying and it's stretching and uh, it's hard work planning a church where you know not one person mm -hmm. so it's meeting people and it's um stepping out of your comfort zone which i'm so great at mm -hmm. doing but even god, right now if you don't step out god will force you out <laughs> of your comfort zone so 
Yeah, it's been good, Bill. Good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for talking to us today. Really glad to have you. I was telling her earlier, I said, yeah, I'll give her. Um, Jeremy and Jessica served in our church for many, many years and uh, faithfully in worship ministry and youth ministry. And uh, uh, Jeremy came some time ago. What did he come for? A wedding. A wedding. And Jessica came to see her little brother graduate high school. Salutatorian. Yeah. So, uh, but... <clears throat> I told her, I said, if one of you has to come, make sure it's you every time. We like her a lot better than we do, Jeremy. <laughs> now, we really miss you guys a lot, and um, I'm really glad to see you. And we're believing for great things. We have from the very beginning. Yeah. believe for great things for you and Jeremy, that doors are opening up for you, doors that you don't see yet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see, but they are opening. They are opening. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you. I'm going to interrupt our family series for today and talk to you about the purpose of prophecy. I want to kind of prime the pump a little bit before we get into tonight. And Derek Miller, where are you, Derek? Back at the computer, faithfully, yeah. always, always doing something for our church. His hands are in everything here at One Cause Church. If you know anything about him, that he is just, he's in everything. Yeah. And, uh, but Derek has a gift. Derek has has a way to see. God's given him the ability to see prophetically. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see this side of him. I'm just excited to see him launch out into this realm. Amen. Yeah. And uh, a couple of nights, not a couple of nights ago, about 10 nights ago, it was on a Wednesday night service, uh, Pastor Kip McCarty, who comes and visits us on Wednesday nights, began to prophesy over Derek about a mantle. He saw a mantle come down on him. And people just began to prophesy. Rachel and others prophesied over him. And I'm telling you, it just raised our level of expectation of what's going to happen tonight. And uh, even though Derek does so much work and he's a lot of behind-the-scenes work, and, uh, but God is pushing him out to the front because he has something powerful for him, uh, not only for him, but through him for you. And so I want you to come tonight and be ready to receive from this man of God because God is going to rock our world. Amen. So, I want to just, like I said, I want to prime the pump this morning and take, take you over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you have your version app, please search One Cost Church, and I've got some notes for you to follow by on your smartphone or your iPad or whatever electronic device you so choose. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, that's important that we understand the order there. All right? Love gifts. Love gifts. Because we have to understand what these gifts are for. Because there are some people out there in this world that have funny ideas about, oh, I'm gifted with this. I am an apostle. I am a prophet. All right? And if a guy has to tell you what he is, okay. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The whole motivation of the gift is love, right? Yeah. Love for who? Love for you. Say love for me. Yeah. yeah, you'll see it. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to who? Men. He who speaks in tongues speaks to who? God. Well, that's why we don't walk around speaking in tongues to each other, right? Because we're, 
The, the tongue is for God. That's what they're learning about over there this morning, that we do believe in speaking in tongues, but we don't just go around talking in tongues to each other because he who speaks in tongues doesn't speak to men, but to God. But however, there can be an interpretation so that men can receive. And the interpretation of that tongue must be from men to God if the tongue is from men to God. All right? So then prophecy, oh, this is so good. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And then later on, he talks about that, but we don't have time to get into that part of it. But he who prophesies speaks this, edification, exhortation, and comfort to who? Men. Men. So prophecy is from God to men. Tongues is from men to God. We got that? All right? Now, and both of those things are very important. But here, we're going to hone in on this verse 3 and see these three things that prophecy brings. And I want everyone here to understand that you might not be uh, um, experienced or have experienced um, being in the atmosphere of where, where prophecy is and, and tongues and those kinds of the, the gifts of the Spirit. But I want, to, I want to help put your mind at ease and maybe, maybe do away with some, some thinking that just isn't really right. We're going to look at and see what the Scripture says, all right? I'm here to encourage you today that these things are wonderful. The gifts of the Spirit are for today, and they are wonderful. And we see that by what, how it describes what prophecy is for today. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Do you see any reason to fear in any of that? Do you see any reason to get weirded out by any of that? Right? Freaked out by any of that? Anybody get freaked out by being edified? Anybody get freaked out by being exhorted? Anybody get freaked out by being comforted? Right? There's, it's all ease. This is good. This is called the grace of God. I want you to understand that today, the, the prophetic gift today is way different than it was before Christ. Because if you read, anybody ever read the, the, the prophets throughout the script? Jer, just, just read Jeremiah for a little bit, all right? And you're going to find out that it seems like God is ticked off the entire time at Israel, right? I mean, just read through the minor prophets. It's just like, man, I mean, thus saith the Lord. This is going to have a wickedness and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but today it's different. Today, God has redeemed man, hallelujah, through the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus has thoroughly cleansed men. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. Now, isn't that a powerful thought? He reconciled the whole world to himself. That is, so that what he did for us then was then made prophecy what God intended for it originally to be. Edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. This is a powerful thought. We live in a day where... It's the greatest time on planet Earth. Now, some of you are going, Pastor Eric, have you even watched the news? I know. I know. I know. I do watch the news. As little as possible, but I do watch it. But I know what's going on in the world. I know this kind of, the, the, the kind of pain and the suffering and the junk that's going on out there. But I'm not, I'm not discouraged by that. Because there's one little scripture that reminds me of the power of God. It said, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. I mean, we can be Christians and be the church, sit up, just sit in our building and talk about all the sin in the world. Man, there's so much sin out there. Yeah. Right? Or we can go, oh, well, well, hang on, there's a greater reality. If there's that much sin, how much grace is there? Amen. Woo! What are we focused on here, huh? Body of Christ. Children of the living God, church, come on. 
The grace of God has appeared to all men. That's our message. Grace is what sets men free from sin. The Bible teaches us that we're not, sin shall not have dominion over us because we're not under the law. We're under grace. We're always trying to preach law. to Thou shalt, you need to run all the Ten Commandments. Are you kidding me? That wasn't even for us. Grace came to us. And grace empowered us to live a higher, higher lifestyle than one that ever could under the law. Free from sin. Now, well, I don't know how I got there. Oh, yeah. Okay, verse 3. We're going to hone in on three things here that prophecy does. All right, everybody say prophecy builds, prophecy beckons, and prophecy bolsters. All right? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, the word edification means the main definition of it is to build. It's the Greek word oikodome. I want to hear you all try that. You're a good class. All right. You get a gold star. Building, it means uh, building. It means the one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, holiness, a building, the thing built. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now that's an extraordinary scripture. Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, as far as I know that he hasn't stopped yet, he's still on the construction, construction site building his church. How? Through us. We are the church. We are the body of Christ continuing to build the church, continuing to build the church. This word build here that Jesus said, I will build my church, is almost the exact same word in the Greek as the word for edifying right here in 1 Corinthians 14. The, the Greek word oikodome, which you so beautifully said, is oikodomeo right here. So the, the same thing. It talks about building. It's building. And what prophecy does for us is that it builds us. All right? And when you understand that, this will help you. It's not, it's not there to tear you down or, to, uh, uh, or to, to blast you and expose your sin in front of everybody, right? It's not there to bring fear and, and, and trepidation, but it's there to build you because Jesus is building his church. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we're going to see exactly what this is talking about. Tie this in together. Ephesians 4, 11 says, He himself, this is talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers, right? For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Here we go. For the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. This is good. So the prophecy is there. Again, another scripture showing us that it's there to build us. All right? Let's back up to verse 7 of that same chapter, Michael or Derek. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What a powerful thing. Grace was given to us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, how do we measure Christ's gift if it's grace given to us? Because the word says, remember I told you that scripture, where sin abounded, grace did much more. That word much more means superabounding. You can't even calculate superabounding, right? According to the measure of Christ's gift, verse 8. <clears throat> Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Wow. Wasn't it just enough? I mean, wouldn't it have been enough if Jesus would have just saved us, right? If he would have just saved us, if he would have just broken the chains off of our lives of sin and, and hopelessness and, and, and brought us into a relationship with God, that wasn't enough for him, apparently, because he not only did that, but then he gave gifts to us. And we see these gifts in these offices in chapter 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists 
pastors and teachers. So, so that's why we take this time aside and we hone in on this gift. We allow this gift to take place in our church because it's here to build us. Can you, can you receive that today? Yeah, going too quiet on me too fast. Now stay with me. Amen. There was a, uh, there was a banker a few years ago who would walk by a legless beggar and drop a coin in his cup as he sat in front of the bank every morning. But he didn't just leave it at that. He would, he would drop a coin in, and then he would take one of the man's pencils in return. And what he told him was, the banker told him this all the time, you are a merchant, and I always expect to receive good value from merchants that I do business with. And one day, the legless man was gone. It wasn't on the sidewalk, and time went by, and the banker kind of forgot about the guy. Until one day that he walked into a public building, and there in a concession stand sat the legless beggar, now small business owner. And he was excited to see the banker, and he said, you're largely responsible for me being here. I was hoping that you would come in someday. He said, you kept telling me that I was a merchant, and I started thinking of myself in that way. Instead of a beggar receiving gifts, I started selling pencils, lots of them. You gave me self-respect and caused me to look at myself differently. Isn't that awesome? See, when you hear the prophet, you have the option to either discard what is being said to you or to open up your heart and to believe it and to receive it into your life. Don't, don't forget 2 Chronicles 20.20 that says, believe the prophets and you will prosper. Amen. Believe the prophets, and you will prosper. If you'll believe it, then what you will allow the Lord to do is to begin to build your life. Amen. Because he is a builder, and builder means grow. Building means increase. Building means bigger. Building means expansion. Amen. Hallelujah. By the way, I, did, I, did, I told the early service this, that, that we just signed a contract this week to sell our 12 acres. Hallelujah. So... In just the next few months, uh, all that will, will finish up, and we'll be able to go right into purchasing this property. And uh, I, what is that ringing sound? Does anybody know? Oh, no problem. As long as she can hear, that's what matters. All right. Uh, and, and this, I just want to make sure it wasn't me. I didn't want to be hurting your ears. Uh, this, 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 on this property is we want to expand this building uh, initially, all right? And then we want to build our main building actually, you know, out there on the main road, of course, down the road. Can you guys see it? Can you see us growing? Can you see us building? Can you see us expand? Because we got to do this thing together, right? It's one thing to have vision, but it's another thing to have provision for the vision. That's why we all come together and make something great happen. Hallelujah. Because when we're in it together, then our reach gets longer. Our stride gets stronger. Hallelujah. We do greater things together. And so what, what I, this is what I love. About. God is always growing. He's always building us and, and increasing us. And that's what I love about this word edify. It's to, to build. When I think of building, I, I think of vision. Somebody has to have a vision before they build. Right? So God sees something about your life that he's trying to build you up to. Hallelujah. This ought to encourage you. When, this is why we have this office of the prophet because the prophet is a seer right? They, what they do, it's a, a prophecy is God's revealed knowledge to us. Yeah. 
All right? God's revealed knowledge to us, so it helps us to, to see things maybe that we didn't see before. It gives a vision. And the next thing is that when, a, when there's a building, then there must be a plan to get that building up. And then this ought to encourage you too, that if, if there's a prophetic word coming to your life, then that means that God has a plan for you. That encourage you in his plan. There's a vision. There's a plan. It also means that there's work. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody built something in here? You know that there's work involved. So you can know that God is working in you then. Hallelujah. Because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last thing, I was just thinking about building and what that means is that there's resources. It takes resources. It takes supply. So whatever God is building your life towards you're going to have to depend on him to bring the resources. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. I'm so glad that God does not provide your needs according to how well the economy is going. But God supplies your need according to his riches, his economy. Well, how rich is God? Yeah, try to put a number on that. All right. So we see this building that takes place. There's an edification. Also, but he who prophesies speaks edification, and he also speaks exhortation. Everybody say beckons. All right? This is a, exhortation does mean comfort, but we're going to get to comfort in a moment. But another definition that I love about this is um, a calling near or a summons. And I want us to focus in on that part of it. There is a calling near, there is a summons that takes place in this gift of prophecy. You know, you could be at one place in your life, you've been praying and you've been seeking the Lord about a certain thing, and all of a sudden God speaks to you prophetically. Now, I'm not saying prophetically only happens here in the church. It can happen at the grocery store. It can happen talking to your neighbor, just, just talking everyday chit-chat, and they say something, you go, whoa, 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 I think God just spoke to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, like, like when it goes right on the inside of you, and you go, well, pay attention to what just happened there, right? And a lot of times that happens just in passing. See, God wants your attention. God is speaking to you all the time. We're going to get into that in a moment. He is, he is always communing with you. He's always, always wanting to, 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 to have... Uh, to grow this relationship with you. So he's always speaking. Just like there's always been radio waves. There have always been radio waves. We didn't invent them. We just found them. Yeah. Right? And so we stuck an antenna up. We set a transmitter. All of a sudden, boom, there it was. Right? It's been there all along since the creation of the world. But men didn't use radio for thousands of years. Didn't mean it wasn't there. Right? And just because you can't hear God or don't think you can hear God doesn't mean he's not speaking. Because he is speaking, a lot of times it's about us getting that antenna up called our ear to listen and to hear what God is saying. And God will do that through this wonderful gift of prophecy. He'll, he'll call you. He'll call, he'll, he'll, I love that. It says uh, uh, a calling near. I love that. Come here, honey. A calling near. See, this is where God wants you. Right? Right here. Well, I like this. I, we ought to preach like this every week. A calling near. See, this is what God is. And he's continually drawing us into his presence by his love and by his grace. He's continually calling into us by these gifts that he gives us. All right? Thank you. Don't diss me. Come here. Kiss me. All right. So. <clears throat> oh, that's why. 
your... So what happens is, is that you've been thinking a thing or you've been praying about a thing and all of a sudden this word comes to you that, that confirms what's going on already in your heart. And you feel this, this, this pull in the direction of God. Long before September the 11th in 2001, a man by the name of Rick Rescorla. I want everybody to say that name, Rick Rescorla. Rick Rescorla was 62 years old, and he was a security guard at the Morgan Stanley Bank. And he developed a plan of evacuation for that bank. And the reason was, it was situated in the South Tower um, at the World Trade Center. But Rescorla was convinced, listen to this, this guy was convinced that Osama bin Laden was going to attack the World Trade Center. He was convinced that he was going to attack with airplanes. And you know what his co-workers thought about him? That he was crazy. So nobody, they were all very frustrated at him continually talking about this and wanting to go over the evacuation plans, and he just annoyed everybody. But on September the 11th, 2001, American Airlines flight number 11 hit World Trade Center, the World Trade Center Tower, one at 8.46 a.m. And Rescorla ignored the building officials' advice to stay put, and he began that orderly evacuation that he had planned out a long time before. Of the Morgan Stanley's 2,800 employees, they're on 20 floors on Tower 2 and 1,000 employees over at World Trade Center 5, and Rescorla reminded everyone to be proud to be an American. He said, everybody's going to be talking about you tomorrow. And what else he did? As, as they were evacuating, he was on a bullhorn and he was singing patriotic songs. God bless America, America the beautiful, to comfort everyone as they made their way out of the building. He had most Morgan Stanley's 2,800 employees, as well as people working on the other floors of Tower 2, safely out of the buildings by the time United Airlines flight number 175 hit Tower 2 at 9.07 a.m. After having reached safety, he returned to that building to rescue others, and he was last seen going up the stairs of the 10th floor on the collapsing Tower 2, and his remains were never recovered. <clears throat> As a result of Rescorla's actions, only six of Morgan Stanley's 2,800 employees were killed on September the 11th, including Rick and three of his deputies who followed him back into the building. And later on, the employees were interviewed, and they were so apologetic and so sorrowful that they did not heed the words of this man, that they only were annoyed by him, but were so, so grateful that day to be saved. And they all considered Rick Rescorla their hero as he called them to safety. Let me tell you something. God Almighty has a calling for you. And through this beautiful gift of prophecy, he calls us. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, it might be the very thing you need to save your life. It might be the very thing you need to save your marriage. It might be the very thing you need to help you in your job that you're so frustrated at. Are you hearing me today? That God has a calling. He beckons you to hear wisdom. He beckons you to hear his voice. He beckons you to, to show you a way that you don't see yet. Hallelujah. Those doors that are opening, you don't see those yet, but God beckons you and he calls you and says, hey, 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 you don't see a way. I am the way. I am the way. And as long as I'm the way, then there always is a way. Can I get a good amen this morning? Amen. 
Amen. So he called. I was telling the earlier service this. I had a really incredible thing happen a few years ago. Uh, well, I'll say a few. It's been longer than that. It's been like 8, 14, whatever it was. When we were out living in San Angelo, and um, this guy in our church had just given, given me a, uh, we, Heather and I needed a second car because we were broker than the Ten Commandments at that time. We were just getting started in the ministry and just, you know, trying to get things going. We had, I think we had both of our daughters at that time, didn't we? All right, so we, we had become a two-car family, but we only had one car. So we were, we were needing, and the family in church saw our need, and they gave us a car, a gold Ford Escort. About the ugliest thing you've ever laid your eyes on, but man, it ran, and it was free, and I was grateful. And so for a time, I drove that car around, and I would get in that car, and I would just thank God for it. I would thank God. Lord, thank you that you provided this. You know, what a blessing it is to, to, to have a gift like this, and, you know, and we used it for some time. One Sunday morning, a girl that attended our church, we also had a Christian school there, and she went to the school. Her name was Karina, and she brought her boyfriend fresh out of a... Gang, apparently, because he walked in, the dude was, he did not look like the average West Texan, let me just say that. Michael Sanchez darkened the door of our church. So, is this, is that working? Okay. Michael Sanchez darkened the door of our church and, and rough looking dude. But I introduced myself to him and, and told him that, is it on? Let me just use this. So he, uh, he heard the message. He came to church, heard the message, and not only did he hear the message of the gospel, but he received that free gift of salvation that day for his life. Michael Sanchez bowed his life, his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendered, and that morning he became a whole new creation. God saved him, and it was a powerful, powerful time. Back then, if any of you remember what I'm talking about, we had Sunday morning and Sunday night, right? It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and whatever night you could squeeze in. But it was for sure the staple church services were Sunday morning, Sunday night, right? And you were extra Christian if you went Sunday night. <clears throat> so we, as a pastor's kid, I was going to Sunday night service whether I wanted to or not. And uh, you know what I'm talking about, Valerie, don't you? So I, we were having this guest speaker come in. None of us had ever even heard of it, but my dad, who loves his pastor, Pastor Jim Hester, was told by Pastor Jim, I want you to have this man in your church. So dad trusted him, you know, sub <laughs> submitted to him. So we had this guy come in. I don't even remember his name or, or where he's from or anything. But, so I told Michael after the service, you know, I was really happy for him to, to, that he made the decision that he did and welcomed to. God's family, I said, listen, I said, you need to get in a regular habit of being in church. And I said, we just happen to have church on Sunday night. I want to invite you to come tonight. He said, man, I, I can't. He goes, I don't have a car. I said, time to give it away. So I reached in my pocket, and I said, I do. And now it's yours. And he was like, what? I said, just promise me you'll be in church. He said, I'll be here. And Michael drove away in that little gold escort. And Michael came back Sunday night, and he sat right about back in there somewhere. And Michael's sitting in church on a Sunday night, no telling where he'd been the night before, but he was there in church. And this guy who was a guest 
preacher, apparently. Couldn't preach his way out of anything. And he's just walking around. Blah. I mean, it was the most boring thing I've ever heard. Hopefully you're not feeling that this morning. But it was, the, it was just, it was torment. I mean, <laughs> it was just torment listening to this guy just try to minister up there. And I know Dad's thinking, Pastor Jim Hester, I've got some words I've got for you, brother. Anyway, but about 45 minutes into it, this guy, he's on the stage like this, and he stops, and he goes, you, yeah, you right there, you, you right there. And I don't remember what color shirt, he called it out. My, it's Michael he's pointing at. He says, stand up. So Michael's like, okay. So he stands up, and of course, I immediately get nervous, right? Because if this guy's going to prophesy like he preaches, we are in trouble. But what he began to do was prophesy to him, began to talk about the, the, the darkness that he had come out of and how God had a plan for his life. He just started speaking into this guy's future and just calling him. He's, God saved him that morning through prophetic word that he called Michael right into his plan. It was extraordinary. And we all sat there, wow, wow, amazed at this gift. And Michael's life was changed that day. It was amazing. Listen to me. God will call you. God, this, this, he has a calling for each and every one of us to come into this place where we can see what he sees, where we can know what he knows, where we can experience what he wants us to experience. Don't forget, he is the giver of life, and life what? Abundantly. That means that there's more. If it's life abundantly, then there's more. Tell your neighbor, there's more. Tell your other neighbor, don't leave them out of here. There's more. Listen to me. So God calls you to more. So then this last thought. Prophecy. He who prophesies speaks edification or he builds. He speaks exhortation, beckons, and then he speaks comfort. Everybody say bolsters. I like the definition of, both, uh, of comfort here in the Greek, and it says any address, whether made for the purpose of persuading or of arousing and stimulating or of calming and consoling. Isn't this wonderful? Comfort. The word uh, in, in Lamentations, let's go over to Lamentations. If you, <laughs> if you have a, a, a regular Bible in your hands besides an electronic Bible, the pages might still be stuck together at Lamentations because I don't think we're reading that scripture all that. Anybody read Lamentations this week? Not one person in this room read Lamentations. I didn't think so. I didn't either until a couple of few days ago. For these things I weep. Listen to this, Lamentations 1.16. For these things I weep, my eye, my eye overflows with water because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. Wow. Now, This is the reality that these guys had concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. Is that the Holy Spirit could oftentimes be very far away from them. Because he couldn't dwell in men then. Because men were not redeemed. He couldn't have a dwelling place. He couldn't stay with them because of sin that had separated men from God. So the Holy Spirit would come and he would do mighty acts for these guys, but he would just kind of come up on them and then leave. I mean, you remember what Samson did, right? With that jawbone of a dead donkey, he killed a thousand men with that thing, all right? Now, was it, Terrence, stand up there. 
Uh, you see how muscled up this boy is? Give us, give us some, give us some Samson poses. Yeah, there we go. If Samson had looked like this guy, then everybody would have known where his strength came from. It would have been all, everybody would have been like, well, we know why you can rip the gates off of the city, Samson. Look at your muscles. No, the people ask the question, where does he get his strength? I'm not going to have another guy come up to demonstrate. <laughs> You're all buff. You're all men in here. In somebody's eyes. But anyway, so they look at Samson and they're, they're mystified by his strength. They're mystified by it. They're going, how is he so strong? Right? How does he do it? Because the Holy Spirit came upon him and did these mighty things. David, David took that sling and hit that giant right in the forehead because the Holy Spirit came upon him. And later on, we read in the, the book of Psalms, David says something about this reality, about the Spirit coming and going. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Aren't you glad that you don't live in that reality? Aren't you glad today that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and say, hey, let's do something cool together. See you later. Maybe in a couple of years, maybe in a, maybe in a month. I don't know. No, the Holy Spirit came as a child of God and lived inside you. Because Jesus made you holy enough to do that. Hallelujah. You couldn't make yourself holy enough. You couldn't make yourself righteous enough. But the moment you surrender to Jesus' ability to save you, you gave the Holy Spirit entrance into your life to come and stay. Hallelujah. What a comforting thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus said the comforter is coming. John chapter 14 and verse 26, he said, But the helper or the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Ladies and gentlemen, I would say that that is a massive advantage in this life, that the Holy Spirit of God will teach you all things. Right? Amen. And bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is a revealer. Hallelujah. He came inside of you. Hallelujah. And took up, took up his dwelling. He made a house out of you. And then he said, I'm going to show you things. I'm going to show you things. I want to reveal things to you. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says that we have received the Spirit not of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things freely given to, been given to us by God. So he's there to reveal. He is a revealer. And so what he's there to, and that's what brings us comfort, that we can know that God is with us and that he's not going to leave us in the darkness. The Holy Spirit is there to shine the light on it. Here, here, know this, know this. At the right time, at the right place, He bolsters us. See, there are a lot of times when you find yourself in a situation you don't know what to do, and that's when you have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to come and be that support, to come and be that strength. Things that you don't understand, things you can't make sense of, things you can't figure out, but the Holy Spirit's there to kind of makes me think about a few nights ago and I woke up kind of stiff laying in my bed, and I realized my pillow wasn't under my head. You know what that's like, right? So I'm like, where is that pillow? Well, between our headboard and our mattress, there's this abyss that swallows pillows and pajama pants and whatever else. Heather's bags of chips, she throws back there after I go to sleep. <laughs> I reached in there and I found that pillow. One of, the, one of the definitions of bolster means to support with a pillow. 
pull up that pillow and I put it under my head, and there's nothing like a fresh pillow under the head, right? It's cold. Oh, man, you just don't want that to go away. And as soon as it gets warm, you flip it over, <sighs> right? It's comforting. It's, it's, it's refreshing. And the Holy Spirit comes to be that support. He's not there to, to be hard with you. He's there to be a support, a comfort, a very present help in time of need. This is, this is what we learn through the prophetic word. Woo, this is good. His word builds us. His word beckons us. His word bolsters us. And I want to set the stage here for you tonight, today, for the coming nights, to expect this kind of thing to happen for your life. Some of you here need this. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.